gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, it is week one, ladies and gentlemen. We are officially at the NFL regular season, so I dropped a special intro in there for you today. Uh, guys, how, how did you like that intro? That's 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 pretty fun, huh? It was pretty mm-hmm. fire. Got me going. I definitely had a little sugar, bit. Shoulder shrug going. The head was bobbing back and forth. Uh, I loved it, Kent. Thank you for that. <laughs> Just feeling good, feeling good. Football's back in the air. We get to sit down on Thursday and Sunday and Monday and watch some good old regular season football once again, playing fantasy Finally. football. Yeah, DFS lineups, everything. It's I'm so excited for this time of year. It's always way fun. It's obviously the reason we're all doing this. So really exciting. Uh, once again, I am Kent Wyrock hosting the show. I am joined by Jen Smith, Matt Okada, and Matthew Betts, and we are the power squad known as the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on real quick over to the news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. So there was definitely like a lot of stuff that happened this last week, and some of it's bigger than others, but let, let's start on the big one here right away, that Nick Foles was announced as the week one starter for the Eagles, meaning that Carson Wentz is likely to not play a snap in that game. So that probably means he's starting week two or later. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys think this is worrisome, or is it is it just them being real safe because it's a short timeline for that ACL tear? No, this is them being safe, and this is the smart move. I've been kind of saying all along, I I hope that they are smart with the decision to play Wentz or sit him. They're making the right move here from a medical perspective by sitting him uh, because he is pushing that timeline. And and if he would play, his risk for re-injury would be much greater than if he waited. Uh, I hope that the Eagles sit him out for at least three to four weeks to push him back to about 10 months from the injury. Uh, Not sure if they're going to do that. I think that Doug Peterson recently said that he was close Again, not sure exactly what that means, but it's going to be a week-to-week situation where we'll just kind of have to monitor and see what happens in Philly. Personally, I hope they keep him out a lot longer than shorter. Stop it, I don't. You stop it. I'm serious, man. <laughs> First of all, Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl. He did. I love that. So that's not Yeah, you've a, got your victory. It's a huge <laughs> deal. Just take it, but would you? <laughs> which is more important, winning maybe one or two extra games over the next four or five weeks or not losing your, you know, key young star quarterback for the next who knows how many years. Absolutely. And that's that's the decision-making process is three games worth a 15-year career, which he could potentially be one of the best um, of all time with that <sighs> upside. Uh, probably not. And, and that's why I think they are making the right decision here. So I agree. I hope he does sit a little longer. Yeah, I mean, the, the the lowest takeaway here is that if you drafted Wentz, you're going to have to find a replacement at least for one week. So start looking around. There's plenty of options, or there should be anyway if you're in a 1QB league. So let's go on to this next piece of news, and we're going to actually get Jen's opinion on this because it's starting to get a little sketchy. Le'Veon Bell <laughs> still has not reported to Steelers camp, and they are mere days away 
from regular season. Is this starting to get scary now? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't like it. I'm sure nobody that owns him or any Steelers fan like it. It's 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 not really a good look anymore. I think he's he's also like posting things on Instagram looking like he's not caring and things like that. So everybody's sort of up in the air and it's a mad dash for Connor, I think, on most waiver wires tonight. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that's a bad decision. Yeah, um, Connor looked you know, really good. Looking- yeah, sorry. Uh, Connor looked good in the preseason. <laughs> Really exciting. You, you should be excited for that, honestly, to have a future after Bell, I think. Especially with all this stuff going on, it's nice to feel like we're not going to automatically start losing our games, that we don't have a running game. Connor can definitely step up. Step up. He's no Bell, but at the same time, we want somebody that wants to be there and wants to play for our team. So, uh, you know, I, I know last season, what, he came back and what, how many... How many carries did he have in week one when he came back last time? Do we know? It was definitely reduced, right? It was a reduced yeah, workload. It was he only had 33 rushing yards, I believe. I'm not sure on the carries. Right. So even if he comes, right, even if he gets there for Wednesday practice, and I think that's pretty much what we're looking at is tomorrow or Thursday, is he going to show up? Um, I, I mean, I'd be looking at that anyway. I'd be picking up Connor and, and kind of really looking at week one and – I don't know. I'd be a little. I'd be a little nervous playing him, and I can't believe I'm saying that. It's the Browns, and I'm upset. Yeah, real quick <laughs> but, before we move on, there. If he does come back and he comes back tomorrow or Thursday, are you guys playing him in Week One? Well, you have to, right? Yeah. I mean, if he's if I he's sitting like up and active, to. you play him. Yeah. You just yeah yeah. Ha- I mean, he's, now, he's here at this point. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Here's an even more interesting, if less likely, question: If Connor balls out. Is there a chance they shop Le'Veon Bell? I mean, who's going to take him at at the price tag he wants right now? There's no reason for anyone to trade for him. And with the situation in the franchise tag where he needs to even sign it before being able to get traded, I just don't see that as being a real likely scenario, I guess, is the issue. Yeah, I, I can see that. I guess I think if I was the Steelers and Connor played well, which I honestly expect him to do, I would hold all the leverage at that point and just let bell keeps sitting out i mean if you look at the the points per game and the record with with and without bell over the last few years when he hasn't hasn't played it's been almost the same thing um and that's for a number of reasons obviously they have a b they have a great offensive line they've had a good defense over the years maybe it's not quite as good anymore but i don't know man yeah i mean and at least catching. last year that at least last year that is how, that is how you attacked cleveland they are decent defensively on the ground and you threw the ball on him. So I'm not necessarily worried about week one. I'm just, I guess it comes down to him a little just confused by the behavior at this point. Like it made sense to a certain extent. And now I just thought he'd be here. Doesn't he want to show other teams, you know, for next year, what kind of player he is and, you know, make himself look good and more marketable. And, uh, and this is what's going down. So yeah, I, I, it's definitely not a situation I thought we'd be looking at at this point. Yeah, over to another big piece of news here we had this week is that Khalil Mack got traded from the Raiders (laughs) to the Bears. And this was a big story because I don't think really many people thought this was going to happen. I think people were still holding out for a holding out. I didn't mean to do that, pun not intended, (laughs) for a a deal to happen between uh, Khalil and the Raiders. Yeah, so uh, the fact that he's in the the, uh, NFC North now makes this just a cluster of a division. And, you know, we this doesn't really have much fantasy relevance, but we can talk about the DST a little bit, I guess. Uh, 
the biggest problem is that they open against the Packers, the Bears do, and it's not someone I really want to roster at this point because I don't want to hold two defenses, and I don't want to play a defense against the Packers. But I think down the road, uh, it could be a good defense to have this year. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. They were a solid defense as it was, and now they have one of the best in the in the league. Um, and after the Packers, they have the Seahawks, who I think are sneakily going to be a good team to play against with your DSTs, and then the Cardinals, Buccaneers, and Dolphins, none of which are really concerning at all. So, uh, agreed, I don't think you can start them this week against the Packers, but you could certainly look at them after that. And you certainly are streaming the, the, the any team against the Oakland Raiders at this point. Oh, God. I mean, that's, yeah. Gurley is going to go off this week. Any Gurley owners, I mean, of course you're starting him, but oh my, I mean... <laughs> I think he's going to just start out the season against the, this this uh, this Raiders defense and uh, blow him out of the water. So even game script, they're going to be up, and then they'll give the ball to him. So. Now I am um, curious. I am curious which side you guys think won because I hear hugely differing opinions between Bears and Raiders. I've 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 had a few conversations about this. I think that in a in a sense of what the teams were try, trying to accomplish, they both won because. You weren't gonna sign Mac, apparently. You know that's that seems to be the the sentiment is that there was never gonna be a deal between the Raiders and Mac. So you kind of gotta salvage that a little bit, and, and in doing so, you take what you can get. Now in this case, they got two first round picks plus, which is outstanding, and it's a good haul. Um, it's probably you know, is it more than what he's worth? I don't know, but the Bears seem to commit to a twenty eight year old. Uh, elite defensive end in his prime. I, I don't know how it's a bad deal for them either, since it's not likely that any of those picks would have been as good as Khalil Mack is. So I, it's it's a horse apiece. I don't really see any side as losing, to be perfectly honest. I think personally the Raiders lost this from what they're trying to accomplish and do as a team. You got John Gruden bringing in everyone and their grandmother literally at this point with all the veterans bringing up all these uh, AARP members now. Uh, and then you shop one of the elite players who is a win-now type of player. So if Gruden is trying to become a win-now team in his first year of coaching, which I don't think is realistic, but um, trying to do that and then sending off a key piece of the defense for that reason, it just doesn't make sense. That that franchise is going to be a mess for a few years. Yeah, the Raiders are, are something to watch for the next few years here to see if the John Gruden experiment works. So, uh, let's go on to the next piece of news here. Mike Gillisley, the uh, the one-week hero last year, it seems, uh, got cut by the Patriots and then almost immediately signed by the New Orleans Saints who cut Jonathan Williams to make room for him. So it's kind of been a little bit of running back movement. They, they apparently have listed Gillisley as the number two running back on that roster for opening week. Does that, you know, does that, seem like something you want to take part in i i personally i'm not even going to roster gilsley if if i'm being honest if you maybe went, some dfs play but that's it if you went zero rb and you're in a standard league i would consider starting gilsley in the first couple weeks um i mean week one they get the buccaneers which is not a very stout defense although they did add some good pieces on the defensive line uh this off season but uh, he's going to have some chances at the goal line. This team is going to be a obviously elite offense, and they're going to score one or two rushing touchdowns a game, 
And if if it's the ball is at the five yard line, I think it's going to be Gilsley over Kamara or Kamara, as it were. Uh, so I mean, it's not too likely I'm starting him, but there are leagues where I think you should be. Yeah, and I think you you hit the nail on the head there with talking about his role. It's limited. We know that Ingram is coming back for four weeks. I don't trust it enough to put him in my starting lineup unless, like you mentioned, Okada. It's a very deep league. Kent, I agree with you. I think that in DFS, he's interesting as a, a very cheap option who could fall into the end zone and get you a touchdown. But outside of that, I'm just avoiding uh, that situation unless you have Kamara. Yep, I think that's pretty straightforward. So let's go on to the next piece of news. Uh, Royce Freeman was listed as the number one running back on the Broncos' depth chart. And now, even beyond that, I saw the Broncos tweeted out this this whole thing about Royce Freeman being the first rookie to start for the Broncos in X years or whatever. Like they're they're excited Since about this guy. And finally, finally, he's taken what what was the stat there? Since 1995, when it was Terrell Davis, that's the last time go. a rookie started for them. Perfect. So they're excited about this kid, and they're ready to put him in there. And they're obviously kind of done with Booker, which is something I know that you know you guys were calling earlier this offseason. So great call, outstanding call there, guys. I will be discussing uh, the Roy's Royce here in a little bit uh, as Ooh. a hint. Trying hint, out the nickname? Okay. Hint, hint. Okay. We'll be discussing it more in detail when I discuss who I am excited to start this week. Yeah, I like that a lot. I finally got one share of him. I only had one share. I just kind of never really was in the right position, and I, I had to reach one time. I was like, you know what? I just want him on my team because he's, he's starting to become a little more exciting. So. You know, I, uh, I gotta say, one of I was been a, I've been a huge Freeman truther throughout most of the off season, but one of my biggest regrets probably is the past one or two weeks in the drafts that I've done. I've stupidly believed that Vance Joseph would be dumb enough to actually put Booker over Freeman for a few games and kind of lost a little bit of the exposure to Freeman that I could have had in that time. So I regret that. But if you happen to have not drafted yet, go get him for sure. All right, so let's go on uh, further here. We're going to talk about Nathan Peterman, the starting quarterback for the Bills. Wow. Ew. Yeah, isn't that exciting? Ew. The Sexy. Bills. Yes. The Bills the might have the, the worst team on paper. Oh, God. Easily. Yeah, the good. Ravens defense plays them in week one. If you somehow can still get them on waivers, go do it now. They are going to win you your week with Nathan Peterman. They're not on waivers. Exactly, but yeah, if, that's somehow, if somehow, get them. Mm-hmm. And DFS everywhere, yeah. too, for sure. Yeah, they're going to totally be chalky. Chalky, chalky. I don't, you know, I think at some point this year, Allen ends up starting as much as I, I think that's also a bad idea, but um, the Bills, man, what a mess. I, mm-hmm. Bottom bottom five team, absolutely for me right now. Yeah, they're they're easily my bottom one. And just to clarify, or I guess to voice my opinion, this is them putting Nathan Peterman out to the dogs. Or, I mean, this is going to be atrocious. Their offensive line has been terrible. Their first three weeks' schedule is horrible. It's the Ravens, the Chargers, and somebody else. The Vikings. Know? The Vikings are week the three. The Vikings. Oh. Yeah. He <laughs> is going to get absolutely annihilated. And I think that that's the reason that they're putting him out there, because they don't want Josh Allen to suffer that after picking him in the first round. Just set up Peterman for failure, pretty much. All right, well, I don't think there really needs to be much to say about that because you weren't excited about the passing options there anyway, nope. the receiving options. Um, but let's talk about another piece of Bill's news. Uh, 
LaShawn McCoy was not placed on the commissioner's exempt list, uh, but due to his recent investigation into the very wild story uh, that he had recently. So he is eligible to play week one. And that was kind of a, a question mark for the last few weeks or month or so, you know, kind of waiting on the details. But I'm, I'm still like third round McCoy is okay in my view. And, and now drafts are mostly almost done because the season's almost here. But I got him for cheap in one league, and I think that it's going to pay off because I don't know who else in this offense is going to touch the ball nearly as much as him. Yeah, it's a strictly a volume play at that point. I mean, the offense is going to be miserable, especially with Nathan Peterman starting like we just talked about. If I can avoid starting LaShawn McCoy, maybe I got lucky and I got someone else as a as an RB2 uh, who I'm more excited about this week. I'm going to try to avoid playing him if I can. Uh, but like you mentioned, the volume will be there, and he's going to be a solid RB2, most likely based off volume alone. So I feel like there's a, a degree to which you kind of almost have to play him. But if you have another option that's better, go for it. Yeah. If they score a touchdown, it's probably going to be LaShawn McCoy. So If they score a touchdown, she says. That's what I said. That if. is a good conditional. That's a big <laughs> if, honestly. Vegas has them scoring 17. They have um, oh, 24-17. So yeah. Really? So Ooh. They, I don't know who they think is going to score uh, 17 points. Yeah, they have Baltimore 24, Buffalo 17 right now. Baltimore's under 7. So I, I don't wow. know what they're looking at that I'm not. But um, yeah, I don't know who the rest of those points are coming from. But maybe a you know toss up into the end zone. Big Kelvin Benjamin pulls mm, it down. My boy, my boy just swings his elbows a little bit and gets the TD. Maybe who knows? But doctor, doctor, give me the news. you know, I play the really upbeat song, but actually, we have super sad news this week. Jarek McKinnon, the new running back for the San Francisco 49ers, has torn his ACL. Yeah, oh, it's, man. It's a bummer. Oh. It's it's his right knee. Uh, news broke. I think it was Saturday uh, that McKinnon went down in a non-contact fashion. So I think everyone was thinking the same thing when they heard the non-contact uh, mechanism of injury, which is the classic ACL tear. And then reports came out after an MRI on uh, on Sunday that McKinnon did tear his ACL on the right knee. He's going to undergo surgery, so his season is over, leaving Alfred Morris and Matt Breda to take over uh, as the running backs there for San Francisco. Yeah, I think we're going to fight a little bit on this one. because and, and, and this isn't even just us, honestly. It's all over Twitter, all over the fantasy industry. People cannot decide if it's, if it's going to be Breda or Morris. And I personally am a Breda guy, and I know we have some Morris people. I think it's Breda week one, and oh, maybe Morris. No spoilers. After. No spoilers. That's what I think. <laughs> it is going to be Breda week one. I, I do agree, Jen. Um, I think he was the one that took the first team reps today at practice, if I remember reading that correctly. Uh, so yes. I, I do agree it's going to be him for week one. Personally, I don't really want either of these two options. I see them eating into each other's role. I do think that your league format will play a role in which one you choose. If it's a PPR format, I like Breda because Morris cannot catch the football. If it's more of a standard league, I will take uh, Morris. Yeah, if it's a standard league, switch it to PPR. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, why did why did people fall in love with McKinnon this offseason? It was because he had pass catching chops and he was good in space and he was going to be able to run the outside zone scheme that Shanahan is is known for using. And everyone thought that was a perfect fit. And now all of a sudden people want to, 
to transition into the like thumper back, the first and second down guy, and theoretically, and the pass catchers just throw him by the wayside. And I don't, I don't really see why there would be that transition in, in view, uh, at least as far as who's going to be the most beneficial there. And you know, anyone who's catching passes is more valuable to me for the most part. So. Eileen Brita, and I think he's going to be better overall on the season. But, of course, you know, Morris could – he could have like a 10 or 12 touchdown season even if he's not very efficient on the ground. So it's it's a toss-up. It's I don't like trying to predict how many touchdowns a running back's going to have. It's, it's pretty tough to do. But um, it's a lot easier to predict targets and receptions, which I think Brita will have many of this year. Yeah, and I think, too, the the reason people are kind of losing sight as to, like, which one would be the starter or should be the starter is because Breda was out all of preseason with that shoulder injury. And so, you know, in fantasy, we are so recency biased that all we saw of this preseason was Alfred Morris and Alfred Morris and then Alfred Morris. Uh, but Matt Breda's back, and he's healthy from that AC joint sprain. So if people are still concerned about that, they should not be. And I think that that's definitely swaying a lot of opinions out there in the general public. So and the fact I'm that I think s- Morris had success. Sorry, Matt. That Morris had success with Shanahan before. Good. Uh, here's my here's it. what my slight concern is, Betts. There's another running back on the 49ers. I don't know if any of you could name him. Kyle Juszczyk. Very hard name. Juszczyk. Yes. Yeah. Kyle Juszczyk. Oh, yeah, Kyle. And Kyle yep. Juszczyk had more receptions on more targets last year than Matt Breida did. I, I think Breida I heard that. I think I heard 36. that recently. <laughs> Juszczyk had 33 on 42. So... Don't be too quick to assume that Breed is going to get all the passing down works. Use checks actually been really good at that over his career. That's the, that's one of the main reasons I lean Morris a little bit myself. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely you're going to have to watch it. Uh, Jen, did you have something else to add there? I was just going to say, so it's even muckier. So yeah, it's pretty Seriously. muckier. It makes it that's less true. favorable <laughs> for me in general. Just that that addition made it even less favorable. So. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a couple of quick-hitting news items here as far as injury stuff. Uh, real quick, I'm going to list them off. Elijah McGuire has officially been placed on IR. He had an injury a while back. I think it was a foot, right? Is yeah, that, it was a, is that a broken bone in his foot. Yeah, so he's officially on IR, so he's gone for the year. Um, nothing really to worry about there. Jay Ajayi returned to practice on Monday and has been stated as ready to start week one, so that looks good. And Delaney Walker, who had a toe injury, is also expected to be ready for week one. Betts, was there any lingering concerns there, just briefly? No, not at all. I think that um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. They're, they're going to be healthy and they're ready for week one, so play them if you have them. I think one quick little thing is that while we talk about most of the Philadelphia passing game potentially suffering without Wentz, it's possible, I think, that a lot of the work in that offense now goes more towards Ajayi, that they try to run the ball more, control the clock more, don't put it as much on Foles' shoulders as they would have. So I think that kind of maybe helps Ajayi a little bit uh, in the first few games. We'll see. Yeah. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Time to do a little bit of gambling. And now this is going to be something that we do uh, every episode here, every week during the the regular season. We're going to do a little over-under game. I'm going to keep track of stats all year, and we're going to find out who the best better is. So what I've done is I've taken one from each position group kind of here. I'll I'll explain as we go through. And I took the uh, half PPR Yahoo projections. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of predict here if they're going to be over or under that projection. 
And uh, if for some reason it is an exact tie, we'll just call it a draw and I will not put it on the scoreboard. So we're going to start, and actually I should say, I just kind of picked some names that I thought were interesting week one starts. So this is really not based on anything other than what my eyes saw. So let's go down the list here. Quarterback, we're going to go through real quick. We got Andy Dalton. He was projected at 16.4 points in week one. Do you guys feel like that is an over or under bet this week? I will, well, before I say anything, I would like to state for the record that uh, there's no money involved here, so the NFL, <laughs> who would get on my case for gambling because I'm not allowed to do that while working for them, do not hunt me down. But with that <laughs> being said, yeah, with that being said, I'm going to take the over here. Um, there, the Bengals are playing an absolutely terrible Colts defense, probably one of the maybe bottom three in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy Dalton's looked surprisingly good in the preseason. I've been coming back around on him after loving him last year and being disappointed. Uh, so I'll take the over. I agree. Over. Yeah, I, yeah I'm over as well. We, yeah, I hate it when we all agree, but surprisingly enough, Andy is an over for me this week. I think he's a sneaky play, actually. I kind of like it. I, I'm actually not too um, up to date here on how good Yahoo projections ever are, but it's kind of... You know, something we're going to use because it's we use for the, the listener league, so that's going to be what we base it off on all season. I'm sure there's going to be some tougher ones like this next one I think is a little bit tougher. We're going to go on to the rookie, Saquon Barkley, and he was projected actually for more than Dalton. Can you believe that? 16.5. Spicy. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that I recorded that right. I'll <laughs> check that as we go. But Jen, I'll kick I'm it sure over you to you did. first and uh, let me know if you like the over or the under on that number. I'm going to take the under on it. Tough Jags defense. I think he's going to get a lot of work. The half point PPR is what uh, is making me a little bit like, oh, but I'm going under. Bets? I'm going to go over. Uh, I think that he is going to catch a lot out of the backfield. We know they're playing Jacksonville, which is a great defense. And if they're going to get the ball out of Eli's hands quickly, that means a lot of swing passes and dump offs to Saquon. So I think that it's a tough matchup, but I like him uh, in this one. And I'll take the over on 16 and a half. Okada? Yeah, I'm actually going to take the over as well. The uh, The way to go against the Jags last year was definitely more the run game than the pass. Obviously, their pass defense is beyond elite, uh, and Eli Manning is not, and I think Saquon Barkley is. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the over. I'm, I'm guessing like six catches, 30 yards, and then another 15 to 18 rushes for 60 to 70 yards, and then maybe a touchdown. I, I hope that adds up to 16.5. Um, I didn't do the math. Did the math <laughs> yeah, let me let me think about that real quick. No, I'm actually going to take the under. I think he's going to have a good uh, good productive day, and I think it's going to be a good test for him against the Jaguars. But uh, I'm going to bet that they're tough enough to keep him out of the end zone, and they look to pass because that's what they have um, some better, more reliable options on right now. So I'll just take the under due to him not getting a touchdown against the Jaguars. So let's move on to Josh Gordon, the wide receiver on this list, and he is projected at 9.8 points this week. And now this is, of course, because he is not starting, according to Hugh Jackson, but he's definitely playing. So uh, Okada, Gordon Truther, what do you think about Gordon? Over or under 9.8? Listen, Kent, if you put the over at 55 fantasy points, I would still (laughs) take it. I mean, I can't really not. Hold on, but, uh, I need to change the show doc to 55 <laughs> points. No, okay. But in all seriousness, no, I will definitely take the over on this. Uh, I think he gets at least four or five catches, and at his 
yards per reception over his career, that's going to get him over 9.8 points, even without a touchdown for me. And I'm not concerned about this whole Antonio Callaway starting thing. I think that's one or two snaps as a lesson. I mean, Gordon was off taking care of issues that he's had in the past and being responsible, and Callaway was getting pulled over for having substances in his car, so I don't see really the sense in all that. All right, uh, Jen, what do you think? Over under 9.8 on Gordon. I've gone back and forth this one because I think he hits Pittsburgh right where they have their sore spot with defense. So it only takes one, but I'm going to take the under. Ooh. Boo. Boo. All right, Betts, what do you think? Oh, what do you want us all to agree all the time? Come on. We <laughs> yeah, you got to win by changing it up. Gonna play. We don't know if he's in game shape. We don't know where his his head's at. He could absolutely catch one ball, get a touchdown, and boom, right there, I'm 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 out. But <laughs> all right, let's hmm. swing it over to Betts for his guess. I lean with Okada on this one. I'm gonna take the over. Uh, I kind of agree with everything that Okada already mentioned, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm playing this one with more of my heart than my head because I own Josh Gordon in our listener league, and I am starting this week. So I hope that he goes over 9.8. Uh, I'm taking the over as well. I think he just barely scrapes over it, though. I don't think he's going to have a, an explosive week. I think he's going to post some some big catches. All it, all it takes is one or two, you know, like 30-yard gains, and then you're you're right there. So uh, I'll take the slightly over. That's not a real option, but we'll move on to the tight end position. We're talking about the new Green Bay Packer tight end, Mr. Jimmy Graham. He's projected at 10.4 points. Let's start this one off with Jen. Do you think he's going to be over or under? Under. I think he has to get a touchdown for that. I'm not sure he's going to get that this game. So I want to see him with everybody else. Maybe I'm just a – that's like maybe I just want everybody to go underperform. I'm so not exciting. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm too much my head, Bets, and not enough my heart. We'll see. All right, let's kick it over to to Bets. Yeah. I'm I'm with you there, Jen. I'm going to go under – uh, like you mentioned, it's either he gets a touchdown and he goes over, or he doesn't get a touchdown and he completely uh, ruins your week. So I'm going under, uh, and I'd be interested to see. I don't know what's going to happen as far as where he'll line up uh, in the offense, but they do play the Bears, and it'd be interesting to see if Khalil Mack was uh, on him in the red zone. All right, Okada? Mm, this is a really tough one for me. Obviously, it's completely on whether he gets that touchdown or not, and even if he does get it. He has to get a decent amount of yards. But because the other two have gone under, I'm going to go ahead and take the over here. I think this is a a bit rich of a projection from Yahoo, but I think he catches a touchdown and gets, maybe it's a one catch for 45 yards touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) One big reception. Yeah, no bonus points in in this uh, category of game we're playing. So Um, I am taking the under. I think he's going to have very low reception totals this year. He will get those touchdowns. But it's not going to be something to bank on, and so I don't. I think his his projected number here is not going to be something he hits very commonly. So that's the reason I'm going to take the um, under. And now we have a special flex question. This is a little bit different. Week one in the flex, are you starting Morris or Brita? Let's go to Okada again. Well, despite the fact that I'm taking Morris over Brita year-long, I agree with both what Jen and Bet said earlier in the show, and I'm sure we'll say again, in that Brita is the start this week, just because of who they're playing. I think they're going to be behind the entire game against the Vikings, and Brita's going to get a little more work, so I'll take Brita. All right, Jen? Yep, Brita. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, bets? Okada said everything I would like to say, so I'm going with Brita. Well, we have a clean sweep on Brita, so this is going to be boring. It's going to be especially bad when Morris outscores him. So uh, <laughs> we have all four for Brita on the board. We'll record those, and we'll swing by those next week uh, and every week after that, talking about how we did the week before real quick. So without further ado, drivers, start your engines! All right, for the first time this year, we're going to be talking about our starts of the week. We're going to each name off one person that we are excited about, give you a, a real quick rundown, maybe a little chat about it, and uh, yeah, guys that we really like week one. So let's swing it over to bets right away. I want to hear your first start of the week this year. Royce Freeman, get him in your lineup and start him this week with confidence. Listen, we've been talking about it all off season. We know that he is going to be the guy in this offense eventually. But in week one, I do think it's going to be a little bit of a timeshare. It doesn't worry me that much. I think that when you look at the, the offense and you look at the defense that they're playing, which is the Seahawks, um, I think he's going to have enough opportunity. I'm predicting 15 total touches, 85 total yards, and a touchdown. He gets to run behind uh, an offensive line that's a little bit underrated. Last, last season, they were ranked ninth and run blocking efficiency according to uh, football outsiders. So he's, he's got a good offensive line to run behind. And when you look at the Seattle defense, I mean, my goodness, it is absolutely in shambles this year. And they're even talking about the fact that Earl Thomas might not play. Uh, when you look at what they have on the defensive end, I actually pulled up their depth chart right before this to look at even who they have on the defensive line. And I didn't recognize a single name. Um, so that tells you kind of all you need to know. I am taking Rolls Royce Freeman, and I am starting him everywhere I have him. All right, I like it. Anyone have any comments on that? I'm all for it. Mm-mm. Love it. I like Denver. Mm-hmm. That's a good start. All right, Jen, I want to hear your start of the week, week one. Are you sure you want to hear about it? Because I feel like I've just beat the drum on this guy so oh, much. But no, keep I'm going to keep it. it. Okay. I'm going to beat the drum one more time for Alex Collins. And that's because I'll keep it short and sweet. They play the bull, the, the Bulls. They play the Bulls this week. So they're playing <laughs> basketball for heaven's sake. They're Michael beat Jordan's pretty good defender. Okay. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So they play the, you know, dumpster fire bills this week. I anticipate um, lots of turnovers. Um, from the Ravens' defense, and that means short fields for Alex Collins. I think they're going to ground and pound, run the ball, control the clock, and that's how they're going to win this game. So I think Collins is going to get the lion's share of the carries. Uh, Buck is still there. Buck Allen is still there. He'll get some um, receptions. But Dixon just didn't have, I think, the preseason and the offseason that they wanted him to, so I really don't think he's going to be stealing many carries. It's going to be Collins all the way, and he's going to get at least one touchdown. Um, if not Ooh. more than that, so I'm 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 ringing the bell for Collins this week. I'm playing him in DFS too. Yeah, I like this one a lot, and I think that uh, the Bills' secondary is the one place they have a little bit of talent. I think Kent has actually even mentioned liking them mm-hmm. as a potential defense, which overall I'm not so sure about. But if they have a weak or if they have a strength, it would be some talent in the secondary, and I think they're going to be up all game, like Jen mentioned. So I really like this call. All right, I like it. Bets, I want to hear your start of the week. I already gave it to you. Never mind. Who did I not do? (laughs) (laughs) Who's up? Okada. Okada. The other other man. The other man is up. Yeah, I can't keep track of all these mats. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) So I may have thrown you into some confusion because I switched up my pick from Stefan Diggs because I just feel like he's a little too obvious. And I'm going to go with Allen Robinson here. 
Uh, I feel like Robinson's been kind of in a murky middle ground as far as where he's going in drafts, how much people like him. He is obviously coming back from a pretty big injury uh, and heading on to a new team. But they're playing the Packers this week, the Bears are, and despite how much I think the Bears are going to improve this year as a team, I think that means they're going to be losing, and I think Allen Robinson's going to be the target hog in this offense. I've been saying that uh, for most of the offseason, and I actually really like him just as a pick overall, but this week especially, I think it comes out the gate surprisingly hot, and I saw something crazy uh, today, actually. In the last three years, since 2015, Allen Robinson is tied with Antonio Brown for the most red zone touchdowns with 18 in the entire league. And he missed an entire year. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, gimme, gimme. That's insane. I I would not have known He doesn't have Blake Bortles this year, so we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. QB downgrade. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know about that, but I'm I'm excited about Allen Robinson this year. So, I like that. It's a good start this week. My guy for week number one, my start of the week, is going to be Golden Tate. You know, I think this uh, Lions passing offense is very strong. It's, you know, Stafford and the same three receivers as last year. They're building their chemistry. They have a really good offensive line, uh, improved run game. I think this offense is going to click very well. But even more importantly, Golden Tate is going against one of the worst slot cornerbacks in the league. His name is Buster Scrine, which is like a top five name, but he's a bottom five slot cornerback. <laughs> so That is a great name. Uh, great name. He is one of the best. Uh, Tate has one of the best leverages this week in terms of matchup play, and I think that the Jets' secondary is very, very weak, and I think it's very exploitable, and they're going to be passing. The Lions are going to be passing all over the Jets this game, even when they're up. I don't feel like they're going to need to slam into their front four, which is actually kind of strong, even though they lost Richardson. So I think the passing attack is going to be their key to keep this game moving, uh, and they're going to slice and dice them up and down the field. So Golden Tate is my start of the week. I always feel love like it. he's undervalued, I, I right? Yeah. He's always he is, undervalued. Yeah. I think Galladay, you know, he come in, he's going to take, I think, the touchdowns from Marvin a little bit, or at least that's where I think that's going to go. I think people under, over, you know, overestimate what those two yeah. will do, and they just left, leave Tate for anybody else, right? Yeah, for me, honestly, if I own Tate, and I don't think I actually do this year, which is upsetting, um, it it's hard for me to ever sit him because he's just so safe, but he also offers some upside because the, the fact that offense passes so much and that he – and Marvin Jones are going to be the two receivers that you want. Galladay is going to splash, but I'm not ready to, you know, put him up there with those two yet. So I love the predictability from that offense and the fact that you know what you're going to get from Golden Tate uh, every single week. All right. Well, those were our starts of the week. Let's go on to our sits of the week. Why do you do this to me? I'm benching you, Lewis. I don't want to hear another word out of you. Sit down. All right. Let's talk about the guys we are not playing week one. You might have drafted them because you feel like You know, they have potential long-term, but you might not be so committed to them week one. We're going to start with Okada this time, so I don't get confused about the mats later, which I probably will. But Okada, (laughs) who are you sitting week one? So I actually switched this one as well, and I switched it to LaShawn McCoy when we were talking about him a little bit earlier. And I, I switched it to him because I think this one is spicy, and I like to be spicy, so I'm taking uh, I'm taking Lashawn. Listen, we've talked about this game a couple different times now on both sides of the ball. The Ravens are going to absolutely smother the Bills on both sides of the ball, which means they're going to be 
behind. They're going to be in bad uh, field situations. The game script's not going to be pretty, and he will catch balls out of the backfield, but I think his efficiency is going to be awful this game. I think maybe there's a little bit of distraction concern with what he's been dealing with, unless he's the kind of guy who like bottles up the rage and throws it out on the field, but realistically speaking, I'm pretty concerned about McCoy all year, and this starting this week against a really tough defense, I'm going to sit him. Yeah, to be honest, I don't hate that. Um, and actually, in a league that I have LaShawn McCoy and Royce Freeman, I'm playing Royce Freeman over LaShawn McCoy. Uh, so I agree with you, Okada. I'm kind of scared to actually own him this year. Um, and if I can, honestly, I'm trying to move him before the season starts so that I can get um, what I think would be the most value you can before his value plummets behind uh, a terrible offense this year. I hope he has one good game for you so you can sell high. I, I was just about to one. say that. Yes, thank you, Jen. Be this week, right? That's the way oh. to do it. I, I don't think it is either, but I really hope he does have a good yeah. week so I can kind of ship him away for something I think is a little safer. But yeah, no, that I mean that's a good pick, Okada. He's he's sketchy. Every everyone on the Bills right now is just so sketchy. So, uh, I mean, he could easily put up a, a Ronald Jones preseason stat line of twenty eight carries for twenty two yards. It's it's not going to be Ooh. pretty. Ooh, Man, Ronald Jones. The shade. How the Throwing mighty have the fallen shade. there. Serious did you hear did Woo. you hear he's third on the depth chart now? Behind yes. uh, oh. Jaquiz Rogers. Oh, Rojo. Yeah. Rojo. They're so not bad. happy with him. But Black all right. Sheep. Let's uh let's swing it over to Jen. Jen, let's hear who you are sitting down week one. Well, I cheated a little bit and I just said an entire backfield. So I hope the listeners will give me a little bit of a reprieve because we don't know who's going to start for the Indianapolis Colts, and I want you to sit all of them. Mm. Marlon Mack's got a shoulder issue, now a hamstring issue. They don't know if he's going to be ready. He could be ready. Who knows? Wilkins looked decent in preseason. I'm not saying he didn't, but you just don't know what you're going to get. They could do a full-on committee approach, even mix in Christine Michael. We don't really know what to expect, and on top of that, their offensive line is horrible. It's just horrible. They're getting hit in the backfield. Anybody that watched them in preseason – it's not good things. Um, if Andrew Luck makes it through this year, <laughs> it, it'll it'll be a good thing. Like it'll ugh, it scares me a little bit him coming back from injury. I think if anything, Andrew Luck might have a little bit more upside this week because he'll be scrambling around trying to get away. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean it's guys in that backfield you were kind of taking for long run and see who emerged and then then you can start playing them. I I definitely sit them down. Sit them down for a little bit. All right, let's swing it back over to Betts. Betts, who are you sitting down? Kent, this is going to make you very sad because I know you were very excited about Sammy Watkins this year, but Mm -mm. I cannot play him at all in week one, mostly because of the fact that we haven't seen him do absolutely anything uh, with Patrick Mahomes. In the preseason, both Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins have played over 60 snaps with the first-team offense. This is the difference in production. Tyree Kill, 14 catches, 182 yards, one touchdown on 16 targets. Sammy Watkins, one catch, 14 yards on seven targets. I mean, when you see that, I, I'm just not confident enough to play him in week one. And when you look at the matchup, it is absolutely brutal. Uh, the Chiefs go on the road and they play against the Chargers, who last year gave up the ninth fewest points to the wide receiver position. Uh, that defense is legit. Essentially, this is Mahomes' first start against a real defense, um, given that he only played, I think, in Week 17 last year um, when the game didn't really matter that much. So uh, I, I just can't trust him this year. I, I hope he can get on track uh, you know, later as the year goes on, but in Week 1, I can't play him. 
No, I get it. I mean, on the teams where I have him, he's like my wide receiver four or so, and uh, I'm probably not playing him this week either simply because I had guys ahead of him I thought were safer bets, and he's he's definitely an upside play. So uh, I got to wait and watch a little bit. I agree with you there, and the preseason wasn't exciting. I don't think it's the biggest red flag because preseason tends to be a little bit different of a beast, but it, it is concerning to say the least. So uh, I, I'm with you, actually. As much as I like Watkins, I got I to gotta wait and see and decide if that upside is going to come to fruition or not down the road. Yeah, I think that the the reason that I'm kind of reading into the the preseason production and the preseason target share as much as I am is because historically, when you look at Andy Reid's offense, he's primarily used one top dog receiver and then Travis Kelsey um, as his tight end when he's been in, in the Chiefs. So everything that we've seen so far says it's Hill um, and then Kelsey and then with Watkins being the third option. So uh, until I see otherwise, I will not be playing Sammy Watkins in any leagues. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, I'll close out the sits here and say that I will be sitting Kenyon Drake this week. I do not think that he has a good matchup at all. Um, recently, there was a report on the final uh, roster that came out. The depth chart said that the starting running back was Kenyon Drake or Frank Gore, the ageless wonder himself. And to be honest, you know, a lot of people like Drake, and they, they've I've seen a lot of posts on Twitter about how, how his advanced metrics are really strong, and he evades tackles really well, and he's, he's a solid runner. But they're playing against a Titans defense that actually is really good and I think might be a little bit undervalued as a, a DST this year so far. And their front seven is actually very strong. So I don't expect the run game to be very good because the Dolphins' offensive line is mediocre to good maybe it's in that range and I don't think it's bad but it's definitely not something that's going to be able to push around the uh, Titans front seven so I don't think Kenyon Drake will get enough volume to be a solid play and I don't think that he's going to have a good enough matchup to be a good enough play either so normally I like one of those two things and he seems to have neither and for a guy who was a third round pick it's you know, kind of rough to say you're going to sit him. But if you happen to have someone who has emerged as a like a leading running back, or like a Brita maybe, or a Morris, if you want to try it, I might consider starting them instead, to be perfectly honest. So I'm, I'm pretty scared of Drake week one. Yeah, I don't... Uh... I don't think he's going to get the volume all year, and I've kind of been tooting this horn during mm-hmm. the off season. Uh, I believe in the gore succubus reality uh, that's going to happen. I actually wrote an article about it recently. If you guys want to check that out, but I don't uh, listen. Drake has never been a bell cow, let alone a even lead back. Not even through college, he played behind. Uh, let's see, T.J. Yeldon, Derek Henry, and somebody else throughout all his college years, and then. In Miami, he played behind Ajayi, and even when Ajayi got traded away, he played behind Damian Williams. Damian Williams got the first shot. So I do not think he's going to get the 15 to 20 carries that uh, Adam Gay said he's going to get, which, by the way, is almost impossible for any running back. So he's a little crazy on that front. But I, I don't like Drake at all this season. So along with what you mentioned about the matchup, Kent, I'm staying away too. Yeah, and just to just to reiterate your point there a little bit, Okada, the most uh, carries he's had in a season during his college career was ninety two. That's so that's not a lot. Definitely not a lot. Uh, so that's definitely a concern for me. I, I'm with you there. 
And Gase couldn't do anything when Lamar Miller was there, correct? Or was it a Jahi? Right. Hold on. I'm trying to remember this right. Gase, right? Gase might have come in right after Miller, but yeah, Jahi was... Ajayi was there with Gase, and then he shipped him away because he didn't like him for some reason. Right. I just felt like he has not given his running backs. He's saying he's going to give him 15 to 20 carries and 68 targets. And I'm like, but you brought in Frank Gore, and then you j- they just brought in Brandon Bolden, too. He's just so, so fickle. Yeah. You're just trying, you're just kind of scratching your head. And I, it's kind of, I agree with the sit for week one, only because I'd love if I had the opportunity to just sit and watch. You know, if I'm an owner, I want to see how this is going to go down before I kind of start him and, and see and Kent just to go back to what you said about the offensive line it's 20th they're 20th according yeah to PFF Ooh, so okay. they are like you know they're not horrendous but they're not exactly I think he said greatest. good to mediocre so that's like exactly no, what he was right 20th on. is yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. mediocre yeah mediocre. they are extremely mediocre if that means anything at all so <laughs> yeah that gets you excited huh oh yeah so all right, those are our sits of the week, uh, guys that we're not so excited about starting week one, even though we are excited to watch football anyway. But let's move on to the mailbag. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? <laughs> that is, uh, of course, Charlie Kelly from Always Sunny, and that's my favorite TV show. And you've now learned Kent's favorite TV show. So this, that's how we do it, through the sound bites. But... Uh, we got a couple of mailbag questions here. We reached out on Twitter recently to uh, ask if anyone had questions they wanted to ask late, leading into the season here. So we picked out a couple we thought were good little talking points, and we'll chat about them real quick before we close the show. So up first, we have a question or kind of a couple questions here from at FF underscore BA Mills. And I believe, I think he's actually in the listener league, right? I, I think he is. But um, let's go ahead here. So he says... How so maybe you, we shouldn't answer it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> if he's in uh, this, like we shouldn't answer. <laughs> we'll just answer completely wrong. But uh, how do you determine who to start? As in, what steps do you take or factors do you consider when looking at final starting position for similar players like Freeman, Collins, and Ajayi? So we don't really. Let's not focus so much on the three specific players. Let's kind of talk about our methods a little bit. So. How about Jen? Jen, tell me, what what's the, the some of the biggest factors for you when deciding who to start? Uh, matchup, volume, um, and then depending on the, your league type, um, so standard versus half PPR versus full um, really impacts my decisions based on, you know, for running back, that's huge um, as far as if they're involved in the passing game or not. So those are three, I think, huge things that I look at especially when you're just comparing kind of apples to apples, you want to definitely look at the situation. I think week one is probably the most difficult week to take that into account. You have to go on basically what we know about defenses from last year and then what we've learned about them in the off season and saw in preseason. So it's a little bit more difficult, but after week one, we have a lot more data and it's a lot easier to kind of know which matchups might be ideal versus not. Yeah. Yeah. For me, when I do this, uh, this kind of starting scenario where you're looking at guys that are similar and trying to decide who to start for me the biggest thing for the running back position which is different from the wide receivers is uh safety for me i like knowing that my running back is going to get volume each week i'm not a guy who typically likes to play these pass catching running backs who are limited to x number of carries or x number of touches per week i like safety in that position i'm a little bit more willing to go upside and take a bit of a risk at the wide receiver position given that i think there's fewer 
safety blankets in uh, that position. So that's kind of what I look at too when I'm looking to start similar players across positions. Yeah, that's interesting. I've kind of noticed that about Betts and I, and that we're different in that Betts really likes to go for the floor, and sometimes I like to go for the ceiling. Uh, but having said that, so uh, there's kind of two things for me. One is taking pretty much everything that Jen said, um, her her exact factors, and then kind of just projecting out the points that I think those backs are going to get and picking the one who, who has the most points. Um, so I take the factors she talked about, plug them in, and take a guess, basically. I mean, it's an educated guess, but take a guess and usually pick that guy. Now, the one time that I might stray from that is kind of in uh, opposition. Well, not opposition, but uh, sort of flexing off what Bet said, where if I have safety all around my lineup and I feel like I need some upside in a certain position to have a chance to kind of get a higher point total, then I might make a tiebreaker where I take a guy with higher upside. So, or And then vice versa as well. I feel like I'm starting a lot of boom-bust players, and then I'm down to a decision between, let's say, Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon. I'm going to take Jarvis Landry in that situation because I think he has a much higher floor. So that's the one kind of uh, time where I would, I guess, mess with my projection numbers uh, and, and go with something different if I feel like I need to balance out my lineup in that way. Yeah, and you guys hit a lot of the big points, so I'll kind of go with one other very minor thing that sometimes comes into consideration. Uh, it, it's the opponent's roster. If they have like a really huge team that I know is like likely to score a lot of points, then I'm going to put in a couple more guys that are swinging for the fences. And a lot of people like to say, well, why don't you just start the guys you think are going to score the most points? It's because when you are starting a player, you accept that there is a range of outcomes that can happen. They're not just going to score their projected score every week. I mean, obviously, they're always wrong. So we understand that a running back can score anywhere between like 5 and 15 points. Well, maybe there's a wide receiver that could score between 0 and 20. Maybe you want to swing for that 20 and get the opportunity in your flex spot uh, to really take down like a big team in your league. I think it's uh, kind of a way you have to approach it sometimes. So that range of outcomes about each of your players is something important to note as you're going through the season. And, you know, some people talk about consistency and floor and stuff, and it, it all plays into that. So it's, it's something that I keep track of for sure. Yeah, Kent, I just got to interrupt you real quick before we move on. We need to let the record show that Okada just admitted there is at least one scenario where he would sit Josh Gordon, uh, which I was shocked to actually hear. So, so not even a truther then. That, well, that yeah, here's the problem. I don't have Jarvis Landry <laughs> on any team, so I don't actually have to make that he decision. He was just using a very nice example. <laughs> Purely hypothetical. He, he didn't I want to it. tempt himself with that opportunity. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Oh, just, just avoid the situation at all costs. But, uh, all right, we got one more question we're going to go over here. And this is from at, uh, let's see, Abflow, Abflow8, excuse me. Um, and he or she says, would you roster players like John Kelly or James Conner over players that are in a big-time running back by committee situation? Example, drop Duke Johnson for James Conner. Are these high-powered handcuffs worth roster spots? Well, a- Absolutely. I mean, that's the. It's. Do you think that is more likely for them to pay off than your part-time running back, who might be, you know, like a fine fill-in flex play on bye weeks or something, but never going to be a full-time player like Duke Johnson? That's a perfect example, um, especially now that Hyde's there and Chubb's there. I just don't think that he's ever going to be uh, a super huge player. So, 
I personally would prefer a guy like Connor over a Duke Johnson. Uh, that's my preference. I know other people are, are different. So, Betts, what do you think? Yeah, and I think that these two examples are perfect examples of guys that are potentially league-winning pickups off the waiver wire. If, God forbid, anything would happen to Le'Veon Bell or uh, Todd Gurley, these two guys would immediately be plug-and-play weekly starters for me, no questions asked. Um, So I like having these type of players early on in the season if I am the owner of their starter, being Lev Bell or um, Todd Gurley. Later on in the season, as we see more of these kind of backups um, float around on the waiver wire, I'm more interested in grabbing someone else's uh, handcuff if it's getting closer to playoff time. But I do agree for what this question is asking. I would take John Kelly or uh, James Conner over some of those lower lower ceiling uh, type of running back committee options. Jen, all, any thoughts? All, or, or Okada? Whatever, whoever. Also, so is Austin Eckler, who is the guy in uh, Los Angeles now, rather than Justin Jackson. And he's, I think, is on the same level almost with Kelly and Connor. Maybe not quite Connor, because Connor's got a unique situation now. But uh, as far as answering the question, this one is extremely team-dependent for me. For the most part, I think I agree with what Ken and Betts are saying, except if you expect to need to start that uh, RBBC running back in your flex throughout the season or maybe even in your RB2 role. Um, because if that week comes along where you're, run, you're starting running backs are on by and you need to flex in that PPR guy who's not going to be a super uh, high-scoring player and not doesn't have a ton of upside and you don't have that player and you have John Kelly who's still the backups of Todd Gurley and you're going to get no points in your flex, then that's a concern for me. But if it's a deep flyer type guy, um, maybe a little lower than Duke Johnson, or if you're in a shallow league with small benches and there are plenty of guys available on the waiver wire that you could slide in, then yes, definitely I'm going for guys like Connor Kelly, Eckler as well, Um, maybe Chase Edmonds in Arizona, and maybe Rod Smith in Dallas. Although both of those, I think, are situations where we think there's going to be one guy, and then once the guy goes down and we see them start, it's a mix or someone else and it's tough to predict yeah i I don't have a whole lot to add i think using duke as an example kind of threw me off because i agree with that um in in half ppr to full ppr so i wouldn't uh drop duke for those guys mentioned i think also connor is in another tier now um as far as handcuff and where i might who i might drop maybe the level of who i might drop to pick him up because I think there's a clear kind of situation where you could really see this guy starting week one and possibly other uh, games during the season. If not, who knows? Um, a lot of them. So we don't really know how that's going to go compared to like a John Kelly, who is just the he's the backup, right? A good guy, a bench stash, but not necessarily somebody that I could see um, being that tier of, you know, um, playing opportunity almost right away or right away. So that, that's the one thing I wanted to add that I felt like the ones mentioned compared to James Conner, that he's kind of jumped a tier um, now, given the situation with Le'Veon Bell, and that this could be a situation that um, kind of happens over time. And so keeping him on your bench might be an important factor this season. And one one really quick thing, I just want to re-highlight something Beth said, because I feel like it can get lost, um, and it's important, because people often think that when they're drafting, they have to get the handcuff to their starting running backs, and it's like a must-do thing. I think it's more valuable to get a handcuff to someone else's running backs and not even from a 
oh, um, when their guy goes down, I'm going to sneakily trade this guy to them and get a huge haul. But just because if their guy goes down, now you have another great starting running back on your team. And I think that's better than just trying to fill in a hole that's probably not going to quite get filled in anyways by taking the guy for your own uh, starting running back. Yeah, if if Lev Bell goes down or uh, Todd Gurley, like I said, I'm playing their backup if I have them every single week because of how good those offenses are and how good that opportunity uh, will potentially be. Absolutely. All right, great thoughts on the matter. Thank you so much for those mailbag questions. We'll have a, a new thread out next week to get you guys' questions answered as we get into the meat of the regular season, get those matchup stuff for you. So before we get out of here, we got a a chat real quick. We are going to be kicking off a second episode every week in the regular season. We're going to be doing a short uh, weekly waiver pod on Monday night, probably during halftime. And we'll get that out as quick as possible as we can so you guys can listen to it on Tuesday and get those delicious waiver ads uh, to make your team better all season. So keep an ear out for that. That'll be coming through the same channel as you are currently subscribed to if you are subscribed. If you are not subscribed, please subscribe. We would love to have your subscription so you can hear doing? us all season. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? If you're listening to this episode and you're not subscribed, you should know by now that you're subscribing because you listen to this entire episode. So just go ahead and listen to all of them, you know? It's pretty easy. So um, let's uh, let's go ahead and real quick just plug a couple of things from the TFA family tree. We have a couple of other uh, podcasts as well. And, you know, the, the Dynasty Life podcast has been going all offseason because the Dynasty never never really stops. But we just kicked off the, uh, the DFS show. It's G-Gen Nation pod. Uh, they just released their first episode of the off, or excuse me, of the season. Yeah, we're in the season now. It's no longer the off season, so I uh, got to get that out of, out of my vocabulary. And so you can swing on over to their t- Twitter page. I believe that is at uh, is it DFS Degen Nation? I think it is. Let me check real quick. No, it is Degen Nation Pod. Uh, so you can check them out on Twitter and go ahead and listen to them as well as as Dynasty Life and us, and we would really appreciate it. So. Uh, Real quick before we head out, uh, be sure to you know hit us up with questions on Twitter as well. We're all pretty active, so you can find me at Kent Wyrock, and then go ahead, bets. You guys can find me at the Fantasy PT Okada. Yeah, you can find me at Fantasy Sensei, and there's a, a running thread pinned on my uh, on my Twitter page of draft grading. So. I have a bit more coming in than I expected, but if you want to get a draft grade and you don't trust Yahoo or whoever else's kind of doo-doo grade, feel free to send that over. All right, I'm going to send that your way right after this. (laughs) (laughs) And Jen? Uh, You can find me at the only Jen Smith on Twitter. All right, awesome. Thank you for listening to the episode. We are excited for the regular season. Stay with us all season long, and as usual, we are the Red Shirts.